for a, a Tuesday night. We'll be here about half an hour more than, than take off, and we have a couple of questions. Okay, so the first question that came through was this. As you go through the traditions, can you talk about applying them in relationships? Now, that's such a big question. Should we cover that in some detail tomorrow? Because the others... Are... Yeah. Okay. Um, a couple of more specific questions here. The first one, so in Israel, Al-Anon is small. Naranon, so the Al-Anon for, for Narcotics Anonymous is, is small. Someone asks, does someone attending an Al-Anon meeting need to be careful not to say, my son who is an addict? Well, strictly, Alan, that says here, um, the relative, this is tradition three, the relatives of alcoholics when gathered together for mutual aid may call themselves an Al-Anon family group provided that as a group they have no other affiliation. The only requirement for membership is that there be a problem of alcoholism in a relative or friend. So technically, yes, although... A lot of uh, us, if we have um, young persons, especially with an alcohol problem, there's also a drug problem. So, I mean, pra- strictly, yes, it's, it's for people without, people who are enmeshed in alcoholic relatives or friends or family. Um, but a lot of people have very complicated family members. So... I w- you could just say, I'm here for my son, or I'm here for my qualifier. You don't have to say what qualifies him. I think there's also a distinction between why I'm in the room in the first place and what I talk about once I'm in the room. So there's a story in How Al-Anon Works of someone that ended up in an Al-Anon meeting one day and suddenly realised they were at home. And they couldn't work out who the alcoholic in their family was. But there must have been someone somewhere. <laughs> and Al-Anon is very tolerant of that. So, you know, in some AA meetings, we won't mention which, they qualify the alcoholic to make sure that they are uh, kosher. Um, with the stamp, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's a glatt kosher version of it, of it like, so, oh, there, there is, there is. When someone says, I'm a real alcoholic, implying, so there's kosher, there's glatt kosher, there's alcoholic, there's real alcoholic. Um, in Al-Anon, people at my home group, Front Range, are very good about falling over themselves to welcome whoever happens to be there because who knows? Who knows? Who knows what's really going Encouraging, on? Encouraging, understanding, welcoming, giving comfort. Those are the words. There we go. Not screening them for purity. Yeah. <laughs> and a couple of other little points on that is um, when talking, however, one can always, as Tom says, make it a tiny bit vaguer just not to set people off. Um, um, so I, I'll often refer to people who are very problematic and then people can make of that what they want. I was in an Al-Anon meeting online in California last summer 
where they didn't say my alcoholic, they didn't say my qualifier, they didn't say my motivator, they said my person. And I loved that because it recognises the humanity, the person that you're dealing with, rather than reducing them to your sort of problem area. Mm -hmm. And I I thought that was was Mm -hmm. delightful. Um, and the other the other question there was, can you have a joint Al-Anon and Naranon group, and can it be listed on an Al-Anon meeting website? Yes, no. <laughs> It'll spread by word of mouth. We did a we tried a, a joint AA Al-Anon meeting in Oakland and. Um, uh, it existed for a while. It's complicated. Uh, it could not be listed anywhere. However, the meeting existed and people showed up. Um, and, and, but it's, it's a word of mouth situation. Then. Yeah. There was a double winners meeting in London, which was AA and Al-Anon, and they got themselves listed until the, the intergroup Politburo found out. <laughs> And they sent round the heavies and basically said that you need to shut this down or change it to just an Al-Anon meeting or delist. So they just delisted themselves and it's the biggest Al-Anon meeting mm-hmm. face-to-face that I know of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. There was a meeting in San Francisco for, uh, this was an AA, NA meeting for people who were manic depressive. So that's a, that's a lot of... Letters, yeah. And they weren't listed. However, word spread. And a lot of people showed up to that meeting. Do you want to do the traditions and relationships? Should we do that? Sure. (coughs) You start. You're in a relationship. Oh, okay. (laughs) I just watch people like you with amazement. I'm surprised when anybody gets along with anybody. I mean, I was, I was in the Midwest, um, and I was asked to come and, and speak at a parish, that, and I do that sometimes. I usually, I mostly just deal with people in recovery, but occasionally a real parish with pe- real people. And uh, it was in somewhere in Minnesota, which is in the middle of nowhere, and it was a tiny little town, and there were German people and Polish people. So they had two churches, of course. Um, one pastor, two churches. And um, um, what else that was crucial there? Oh, I, it was, I, we didn't get along. I, I've never been asked back. Um, um, but there were, what was the topic? What was the trigger for that? Oh, I'm staying, I'm sharing um, um, a cabin with, with the priest who owns the place, runs the place. So here it is. Um, uh, he had a house and he liked it cozy, which means stifling. Uh, all windows closed, heat on, and I was dying of asphyxiation. And so this was the question. Out of that situation, I now uh, have a question for people planning to get married or people who are married. Who sets the temperature? Um, spread, like in the bedroom, who determines the temperature? And if, if that isn't solved, I have no hope for your future whatsoever. So, 
That's my relationship question. Go, go ahead. Okay, so you could talk for an hour about applying each of the traditions and each of the concepts in a relationship whether it's a relationship where a so-called intimate relationship with a capital R or, or any other domestic situation. Um, but there's, there's one idea which I think underlies all of them. And it's this idea of unity. And there is a, an author who wrote some books a number of years ago called Ernie Larson who's very good on the topic of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ernie spelled E-A-R-N-I-E, I believe, Larsen. L-A-R-S-E-N, Danish, not Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> Dansk in the svensk. That was Swedish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he wrote about... <laughs> he wrote about... When people feel loved, what does that look like in practice? And a really important part of it in people's own self-reporting is being defended, not being attacked by the other person and feeling defended. And I was out for dinner with two friends who did not know each other and did not get on. Um, One of them, the English one asked the American, uh, who was living in London, what do you do for a living? And he said, I work in banking. And the Englishman said, oh, I see. (laughs) Which is the greatest insult you can issue someone in British English to say, I see. We don't need to use many words at all to complete. It's still talk. That conversation is still talked about 10 years later about how rude that was. Anyway, at this dinner, everyone was tense. And one of the people, one of the company, um, uh, they didn't get the order of food that they wanted. And it somehow got turned into my fault. And it may or may not have been my fault. There was one of those complex exchanges with an overly familiar waiter. You know, those things where you can't work out who said what afterwards, but the wrong food came to the table. And the person whose wrong food had come to the table started to attack me verbally. I mean, kind of jokerly so, but also not. And Jonathan intercepted and defended very important. Very often I've experienced in relationships where uh, you're out with your other half and some friends and you use the opportunity to have a go at your other half by joking to your friends who are also at the table. And it's funny until it's not. So this idea of defending the other person and not attacking them. And my favourite story, people, people who know me will know this story, where I was doing the dishes noisily to indicate it wasn't my turn. <laughs> I escalated to a verbal statement to that effect. And my other half left the room, came back 10 minutes later and said, I have never, ever 
criticised you, I could make a list as well. And so unity in the relationship is absolutely paramount. Now, it doesn't mean we're merged. I have my own private space. This is tradition four coming in. I have my own private space. He has his own uh, private space. And then we have a common space. The common space is anything which concerns us both. But I've never seen any of his bank accounts, bank statements, investment. I don't know what is going on there. He's never seen mine. We have... We manage some joint financial things together and there we make joint decisions. But we've got private domains. I've never looked in his phone. He has never looked in my phone. I've never tried to hack into his Facebook account. He's never tried to hack into mine. He doesn't care who I talk to and I don't care who he talks to. We've both got our own integrity and... Uh, my unhealthy... If you're a historian, you'll like this. If you're not, then just go with it. Um, my relationships, historically, so the bad ones, were like these horrible mergings of things, like the, the, the original unification of Germany, where Prussia was basically in charge of everyone else, but it was all just merged, smooshed into a single country. Um my relationship with Jonathan is more like the better days of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Austria is a distinct country. Hungary is a distinct country. But they somehow find a way of taking their individual strengths and putting them together into something which functions far better than either of them could have individually. Now, it then ran into trouble. Let's not get into that. The Balkans, the Balkans. The the Balkan question is there. (laughs) Um... So those two things, I think, form the basis of it, that we are not two, not one, but we're one, but we're two. And holding those two ideas, we're not merged completely, but we're not separate fighting each other either. Once we got that figured out, everything else started to fall into place. And one, one little thing, to, and I'll finish on this and turn it over to Tom. Um, Dr. Paul O talks about the myth of it being 50-50 in relationships. Um, I've thought for a long time that I was giving far more than Jonathan and the reverse, I think, was maybe true because lots of what was being given was tolerance and tolerance is invisible. Sure, I was doing the laundry, but boy, was he giving a lot of tolerance of me. Um, If I give 50, my 50 looks like about 10% to the other person. (laughs) They give 80, that's going to look like 20% to me. (coughs) We basically both have the aim of giving fully. That's never going to look full. So his, when when I concede (coughs) to him... To him, I'm just exercising common sense. It's not a concession. I've finally seen the folly of my thinking. And we can't see eye to eye, so we don't try to. We both are yielding maximally, and then there's enough space to meet in the middle. And I think that's how group consciences work. I think and there's a lot of tradition one, two, and, and four in that. And that's... Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. <coughs> yeah. 
none of this is my experience. So I live in a community um, of five uh, other adult men and two cats, and it's all of the problems of marriage and none of the joys, just so you know. <laughs> I thought I'd, I'd, but the give and take, it's a big house and there's lots of room and there's give and take. If you need private space, you've got private space. There's common space, there's private space. It works pretty well. Um, because we have enough space and time. And almost always someone's traveling, which means you're not in their business all the time. Like I've been gone for 16 days, and when I get back, they'll be nice to me for like two days. <laughs> um, this, th- let me just, uh, we're, we're getting, getting close to eight o'clock. Let me just point out something that I find interesting about the traditions, and it's a little academic, um, and it's late, and if you, it, but anyway. The sixth and seventh traditions concern money in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. And money's crazy making for people. And uh, uh, it starts, the sixth tradition begins problems of money, property, and authority may easily divert us from our primary spiritual aim money, property, authority. Um, in my own denomination, and I think in much of religious stuff, uh, problems of money, property, and authority have been issues of tremendous grief and misery and suffering forever. Those are the things people argue over. Who's in charge? Who has the money? Uh, and property. Who owns this? And so in the sixth tradition, it talks about diverting property of genuine loose, separate aside, don't go into business, incorporation, uh, facilities, management, so it, it very practical stuff about running stuff. And then it says an AA group can bind itself to no one. Seven, fully self-supporting. And then it goes on about money and uh, uh, supporting and don't, don't solicit publicly and um, uh, public solicitation of funds using the name of AA is highly dangerous, whether by groups, clubs, or hospitals, or outside agencies. Acceptance of large gifts, frequently that's not free. You know, there's strings attached to this stuff. Um, We view with much concern those AA treasuries, which continue beyond prudent reserves to accumulate funds for no stated AA purpose. So they have these huge bank accounts. I'm the treasurer of, of, uh, my two, of the Tuesday night meeting, and on a regular basis you distribute the fund. You send some to New York and some to the local place and some to this and some to that, so you don't have a zillion dollars in the bank um, with enough uh, money to cover expenses for a month or two. And, and where I, the Tuesday meeting, uh, rent, we meet once a week on Tuesday nights at 6.30. Rent is $100 um, a month. So I've paid for the next four months. We're set for that. And that's a, a standard fee kind of where I live, $100 a month. And then it says, experience, this is the end of Tradition 7. Experience has often warned us that nothing can so surely destroy our <coughs> spiritual heritage as futile disputes over money, property, and authority. So note, it opens with that and it ends with that. Those two traditions. So they're, they're a unit. And it's concerning 
those issues about which people get killed. And there's scandal and you know, people running off with the treasury and a secretary or a treasurer is paying their own rent, not the groups. That's happened. Um, I, I led a group weekend retreat in uh, the Southwest. And this is a little scandalous, so don't be shocked. Um, the, 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 the guy that ran the central office for AA in a part of Texas had been embezzling money. And he embezzled about $30,000, $40,000. And then somehow there was an account, an account's due, and people took a look, and there was scandal and shock. And, of course, he was fired. And um, his, his, he's an alcoholic, right? His response was, if you people had been paying better attention, this never would have happened. So right, you weren't minding the store. It's not my fault that I stole. I think that's a, no conscience. This is not a conscience. So anyway, a bunch of people from that area were on this weekend with me, and so was he. Uh, his name was Paul. And so we went for a walk, and I said, so how are things? And he says, oh, bad behavior on my part. And he says he can't, he's not welcome at any AA meeting in West Texas. So he goes to Narcotics Anonymous. He needed, and he got support there. Saw him a few years later. He had paid back everything because you have to do that if you're going to stay sober. But bad behavior happens, issues of money, property, and authority. It's really good to, if you're, if you're the treasurer, to regularly report to the group how much money, where money goes, so it's not a secret. And you can make it real brief and real short, but you want people to know, here are our bills and here's what we're collecting. So when I get home, I'm going to have several weeks of envelopes of money plus Venmo, which is a, um, an electronic thing that I'll sort out and take care of that real fast and let everyone know what's there so it's not secret. Issues of money, property and authority. They're crazy making for us. So um, uh, that has to get spelled out. <sighs> Do you have anything else to say that might be true? <laughs> Just one thing on money in relationships. Um, we, Jonathan and I, avoid arguments about money by having a system which works for us, which is agreed on. And the system is that I manage all of the finances and I bill him twice a year. And he pays the bill twice a year. Uh, big spends, big decisions about finances uh, we make together. And unless both of us are on board with the decision, we don't do it. And the other person doesn't get to complain about it afterwards. If there isn't enthusiasm from both people, then the proposal... So substantial unanimity means two, not one with a slight majority over the other. Yeah, we really have to be both on board with something. But we 
and this is, I think, very important. I, there are people who disagree with me on this. They have a different system. The idea is that you're totally merged and you have merged finances and you get to peer at each other's, you know, petty cash spending. And I don't think that would work for us. What's practical, what's possible, what's simple. There you go. So he's got his finances, I've got mine, I manage the joint mm-hmm. stuff, he pays up. Simple. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Hi. Um, I've been asked to come and speak to a Jerusalem A meeting that is quite large by our standards um, because they um, do not send funds to intergroup or to national. And to the best of my knowledge, they send to world. Yeah. And they do not um, send a uh, group rep to intergroup or to national. And I am, I've been asked to go and speak about the um, national structure, which is quite new in Israel. Yeah, yeah. And to invite them yeah. to send a rep to intergroup and a rep, and they can send both, both yeah. to intergroup and also to national. And so what would you say to them? I'd say uh, we have a new structure and it's really helpful and we're so glad you're here. And here's what we suggest as donations. Like we have a 60% Alameda County, California, 30% New York, and then it's, it's like 15%, 15% Northern California. So we have that written out. This is what other groups do and then they can decide. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't help to threaten them or ridicule them or tell them they're bad people. Yeah. And that they should get a conscience. You don't have to say that. There's a lovely passage in Our Southern Friend uh, where someone is 12-stepping someone else and he says, uh, then he asks me if I believe in a power greater than myself whether I call that power God, Allah, Confucius, Prime Cause, Divine Mind, or any other name. I told him that I believe in electricity and other forces of nature, but as for a God, if there is one, he has never done anything for me. (laughs) Then he asks me if I'm willing to right all the wrongs I've ever done to anyone, no matter how wrong I thought the others were. Am I willing to be honest with myself about myself and tell someone about myself? And am I willing to think of other people, of their needs, instead of myself, in order to get rid of the drink problem? That's the background, okay? The next line is important. I'll do anything, I reply. Then all of your troubles are over, says the man, and leaves the room. He doesn't hover over him, to see if he follows through. And I don't know if... I don't know if the group has invited you, or if you've been... Oh, the group has invited you, so you haven't been dispatched by some. Okay, fine. So I would go in and have a car waiting outside. <laughs> I had to... D- d- uh, I took a group conscience of, uh, of continental Europe region. I was brought in to chair the group conscience meeting in the group inventory, and very fiery... And I got to do a PowerPoint presentation at the end of what my observations were. So I I just convened the group conscience, but they wanted my observations. 
there was a car running outside to take me to the airport and that was the wisest thing <laughs> I ever did. So I would get in there, say your piece and then just disappear very quickly. Yeah. And with, with it, this is the suggested donation to these places and it really helps everybody. And have that printed. So they have it. And then uh, they'll probably discuss this or not. Lots of groups say, oh, well, we'd be happy to help. And some, some groups don't participate in anything. Yeah. Those are bad people. <laughs> Those are bad people. Yeah, the people from outer space. <laughs> Thank you for coming today. You're valiant to endure all this. Um, and we'll see you tomorrow. I hope we see you tomorrow. Thank yeah. you guys for coming from abroad. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. All this way. <laughs> <laughs>